0: We're talking in these weeks about the reality, the ancient practice that's largely lost in our day, the practice known as lament. We're looking at lament, this ancient practice, as a pathway to intimacy, as a form of praise. And before we jump in to today, I wanna invite you, normally I would say invite you to come join us, but I wanna say during this season to join us online, to tune in, to log on, to be a part of next week. We're gonna talk about what the Bible teaches uh, long ago, but so relevant for us today regarding lament as participation in the pain of others. We're going to have a conversation on race. I'm so excited about what God wants to do in our faith family, and I want to invite you to join us next week. I'm so looking forward to that. Last week, we looked at lament, and we sort of defined it, if you will, as an expression, as a deep, honest, heartfelt expression of pain brokenness and sadness the first lament in the Psalter that we looked at was 13 the question four times in those first first two verses how long how long will you forget me forever how long will you hide your face from me how long will I have sorrow in my heart how long will my enemies exalt over me and we looked at that psalm and the pain in it and we said that when you're looking and asking how long you either need deliverance or you need the virtue that virtue, that deep abiding virtue that we need called patience. And we looked at Jesus's half brother James as he invited us to or commanded us to be patient. That's something that we all desperately, we need that. We're looking at the pain of of waiting or we did look at the pain of waiting. That's common for us to be in a place where we wonder what God's gonna do and we wonder where he is. The laments, the common thread that the laments have, these deep, honest, heartfelt expressions of pain, brokenness, and sorrow, is they, we talked about this last week, they, they start, as one writer said, on their face. The pain is great, the anguish is deep. And so they're on their face and they rise to their knees as they begin to grapple with God and who he is. And then from there, they're on their feet, there's joy. There's joy. God brings them to this high place, to this mountaintop after they've been in the valley, all of the psalms of lament end on a joyful note. They end on a note of hope. All do except two. Those psalms in the Bible, Psalm 39 and Psalm 88, and it is Psalm 88 that I want us to look at today. I want to warn you before we read the Bible, before we read the 88th psalm, that this is darkness. This is darkness, but I want us to read it together. If you have your Bible, would you turn in your Bible to Psalm 88 and let's read this together. Easy, easy on the editing. I'll come over here. I'll read the passage while it is up on the screen. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave. Like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, and the rains dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me and you overwhelm me with all of your waves. You've caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I'm shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord, I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O oh Lord, cry to you in the morning my prayers come before you. O oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? And why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terror- terrors, I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me, your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long, they close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Pause, 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 pause. Easy on the editing. God bless the hearing and the reading of his word, but after that reading, you might ask why. Psalm 88 is in there. After we sing Cornerstone, I want you to join me as I give you three reasons I believe God included that Psalm. It's no accident. It's in the Bible. I want to give you the three reasons I believe that God put the 88th Psalm in the Bible for you and I. Join with me if you're watching and participating from home. Let's join our team as we declare the goodness of God in this song, Cornerstone. remember what we've what we've said that every psalm of lament ends on a mountain it ends on a note of hope the 27th psalm i shall see the goodness of god in the land of the living the 73rd psalm god is the strength of my heart and my portion forever last week the 13th psalm even in the midst of that angst and that pain and brokenness and sorrow he said i will sing to the lord for he has dealt with me abundantly and bountifully but you noticed a few moments ago before we sang a song of worship, we closed this dark psalm on a dark note. It's only one of two that end that way, but it's the end of the psalm, but not the end of the story. Scholar N.T. Wright compared what, a, what complaining and grumbling is with what a lament is. We mentioned it briefly last week. He said that a complaint, that a complaint is an accusation against God that maligns his character. But lament, when we lament, it's it's an appeal to God based on the goodness of his character. But we kinda don't get that in some ways in this 88th Psalm. So let me give you three reasons I believe it's in the Bible. First of all, darkness is a word that is the theme of this, 88. It's mentioned three times, and in the Hebrew, I don't know about your English translation, it captures it from what I read in the ESV, but in the Hebrew, the original of the Psalms, it ends with that note. My closest companion, my only friend, is darkness. Three reasons I believe the 88 is in our Bibles. The first is that darkness is real, and it can last a while. In Princess Bride, There's a line in there that says, life is pain, Highness. If anybody tells you anything differently, they're trying to sell you something. Guess what? The Bible is not trying to sell us something. What we get in God's word is sometimes a truth and a reality that can be hard to take. I have found in my years of living, in my own life, in learning about the faithfulness of saints of old and talking to people on their own spiritual journey, that it is expectation that is the key to endurance. The Bible isn't selling us anything. Life is pain, Highness, and anybody telling you anything different is selling you something. Here's what the scripture says. The scripture says that you can do the right things. This is why I believe this Psalm is in the Bible. This Psalm, this writer, we'll talk about him at the end, but he was praying. He was praying and you can tell that he had, has a relationship with God. Here's a reality that 88 Psalm teaches us that you can do all the right things and still have darkness and you don't know if that darkness will lift. Expectation think about it you may say in your own life Susan I recently talked to someone it was almost as if the tone of the conversation was well now I'm following Jesus so not a lot of these bad things are going to happen to me I would want that person to have all the good that God has for them in their lives but I would not want them to be victimized by faulty expectations what is the reality the reality is that you can do all the right things, but have darkness and not know where it's when it's going to lift. You say, Well, I'm a good person. There was no better person than Jesus. And yet Jesus taught us, some of you remember this, he said that servants are not above their master. The world hated me. It will hurt, it, it could hate you. Here was the best person who ever lived. He was arrested and he was tortured and he was crucified and he died a death, a sacrificial love for you and I and for the world. But darkness was part of his existence. And so the first reason I believe that the eighty eighth Psalm is in the Bible is that it teaches us that darkness is real and that it could it could last a while. The second reason that I believe it's in here is that darkness is a better teacher than joy and light. Somebody once put it this way: prosperity is a horrible teacher. If you look at the elements in the eighty-eight, you'll see interrogation, and you'll see exaggeration. Interrogation. Uh, this writer is somewhere between intemperate and blasphemous. You'll see sarcastic remarks and re- and rhetorical questions, and in that you see. The exaggeration. God, you've never been there for me all the days of my life, and he does what I can do. He does, I bet, what you can do when all seems dark. He exaggerates. He makes things worse than they are. And here we can learn that darkness can be a better teacher than light and joy. Prosperity is a horrible teacher when everything's going right. We're not learning some of the lessons that God would have for us. So what is this lesson? Again, asking the question, why is in there? What lesson can we learn? And we see the character of God in this. We see God not rebuking him and not saying, don't pray that prayer. God is big enough for your prayers of pain. And God is aware of the toll that sin has in our world. And in our hearts, there's outer darkness. And what we see here is also inner darkness. You know, I have experienced times in my life, so many times of lightness and joy. And I have learned things, but not the hard lessons I can learn when things get dark. But I've known some small seasons and stretches where there's been darkness, there's been outer darkness and circumstances that seem so difficult, but God has been there and I felt this presence. I've had the outer darkness, but inside there's been light because of Jesus and the good news of the gospel. But here in 88, we see outer darkness, but we also see inner darkness. But God doesn't say, I'm your God, if you put on a happy face. God says, I am your God, because of my grace a third reason i believe that 88 is in our bibles is that darkness it can produce in us it can result in greatness there is a a part of the story uh, in lord of the rings the book not the movie where Sam, the friend of Frodo, they're making their way to the Mount of Doom and they are worn out. It's been quite a journey and they realize, hey, we're, we're, we're probably going to die and they attempted to sit and lay there and it, there's this scene or this section in the book where it says this about Sam. It says, but even as hope died in Sam or seemed to die, it was turned to a new strength. Sam's plain hobbit face grew stern, almost grim, As the will hardened in him and he felt through all his limbs a thrill as if he was turning into some creature of stone and steel that neither despair nor weariness nor endless barren miles could subdue. What kind of strength can we develop? The greatest strength is the strength of endurance, the strength when we're not sure, the strength when it's very Very dark. The book of Job, the story of Job, is one that's been endlessly, philosophically, theologically debated and dissected and talked about. In this story, I can't tell you all the whys of the book of Job, but I believe that it's in there like the 88 because it's epic and because it's dark. And I've never suffered like Job. I've never known anybody to suffer like Job, I bet you would say the same thing. His was the greatest, it seems. But in the first chapter of this story, there's a conversation between God and the devil, and there is this, this, this idea that the enemy has that Job is serving God only because he's using him. The accusation, Job loves himself. He doesn't love God. He's just using God. And when you get to Close to the end in 42 of the book of Job, we see that God says that Job honored me. If you know the story of Job, Job prayed prayers like you see in 88 of Psalms. Job prayed and said some things of great darkness and angst. But why then would God say that Job honored me? I believe that God said that because because Job honored. He prayed to God. Even though it was hard, he kept talking to God. His prayers were not complaint or grumbling, accusations against against God to malign the character of God. It was prayers also of lament. Prayers where it was an appeal to God based on the goodness of the character of God. The 88 is written, is written by a man named Haman. And we learn from 1 Chronicles chapter 6 that Haman was a part of the Kohith guild of musicians and poets who, this group of people, they wrote several of the Psalms together, individually and together. If you look at the 40s and the 80s, the sections of the Psalms, it's written by, several are written by this group think about that. Here's a man saying, "God, you've left me. It is so dark. My only you're not my friend anymore. My only friend is darkness." He wouldn't have thought of the greatness that would result from his journey, from his endurance, from him staying at God and with God and crying out and lament to God. We know today that Some of these works are in the best-selling book of all time and that have literally inspired billions of people through thousands of years. We know that today, but he didn't know it then. I ask you today, in the midst of possibly some dark pain in your life, could it be that the darkest of the pain that you, you know now or will ever know could be the path to greatness? Not for just you and for the smallness of your own life or the smallness and the pettiness of my own life, but a larger gift to the world, to the people around us. God can use us. Don't seek great things for yourself The scripture teaches us, but God can use greatness in the darkness of our lives. Why is the 88 in there? This theme of darkness. I believe it's because darkness is real and it could It could last a while. I believe darkness is a better teacher than light and joy. And I believe that darkness can be, it can result in greatness for God and his kingdom and to bless so many. Let's worship together and we'll come back and I wanna wanna point us to the Lord's Supper and point us to the person of Jesus. Again, the 88 ends in darkness, but it's not the end of the story. The ultimate story. Reminding you of what we're learning about Lament in the Psalms, that all of them, this large collection of best-selling poems and songs, they all end on a note of hope. Isn't that a good thing? When you hang out with someone, could you imagine having lunch with a friend and then it ending badly, ending on a sour note? The psalms walk through, they start on their face and rise to their knees still grappling with God and then end on this mountain this this place of joy all do except two 39 and 88 question as we close do you know what the end the last line of 39 says it says this look away from me in 88 I remind you says my only friend is darkness does that sound familiar Matthew 27, verse 45 tells us that darkness came upon all the earth one afternoon and that Jesus on the cross prayed to his father and he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Darkness, look away. You see, as dark as it can ever get for you, it's not the ultimate darkness. I wanna tell you this love story, this gospel, this good news is that Jesus took the ultimate darkness on himself and he took the greatest of darkness and that even in our darkest times that we could learn that in him, we have a friend, we have a miracle worker. You know, in the 88, it it asked, can a dead person rise up and worship you? In other words, God, you're killing me like you're literally killing me. I don't, I don't even wanna live, my life is so bad. But if you kill me, if I don't wanna live, then how can I be useful to you anymore, God? Can a dead person rise up and praise you? Do you know the answer to that because of Jesus is yes. Yes, that is a yes in Jesus. All of God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus we learn. Yes, in fact, you can rise up from the darkness that you're in. That is the God that we serve. If you're fully participating in this service this morning with your family, roommates, or friends, or by yourself at home, you've been instructed prior to this service to have the elements of communion, the Lord's Supper, near to you. I want to encourage you to to grab the bread that represents the body of Christ and that cup of juice or wine that represents Jesus' blood shed for you. And as you get it ready, join with us as we sing Waymaker to Him. This week, someone I know posted something like this online. She said, as she watched the news report from just a couple of nights ago, she said, this was her post, everything just seems bad. You know, there's darkness in our world, because I know her a little bit, know a little bit of her story. She might be somewhere in the realm of the 88th Psalm where everything seems so bad, Out there, and then there's also this inner darkness of God. Where are you? Amidst that, I want to end with a note of hope and joy. I want to end with truly a miracle worker, a miracle that can be a catalyst in your life, even in the midst of darkness, of one who said, There is a work, and he keeps working in our lives we can be confident Philippians 1 6 of he who began a good work in you he will complete it until the day of Christ until, until darkness will be no more but there's a work that he did that he said it is finished it was the work that where he took on darkness for us he was forsaken by his father out of love for us and so we end this service doing this in remembrance of him And as we do, I feel compelled to just tell you right now about my own journey, where I'm at right now. Just a quick snapshot. I'm deeply burdened and moved by the darkness that's out there, that's in our world. But inside, I have this hope and this joy. I'm so glad that Psalm 88 is not a part of my existence right now. There's a reason that it's in there, and it's for me and for you, but I'm just so grateful that there's inner joy and peace and that's what God gives. He tells us to rejoice in him. Rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4. He tells us to rejoice in his gifts, 1 Timothy 6. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. What I have found out and am finding out, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We can overcome so much in life through joy, through the joy that That he gives, and those are his gifts, and I'm experiencing those now. But there are leadership burdens and there are world problems. And as we're gonna talk about next week, you know, our sin, he has to deal with that. We have to bring it to him. Only he can wash away our sin, and some of our darkness is our own sin. And I'm so glad that we have a Savior, and we can participate with him in the work that he did, the work he did that we trust in and we rest in. And next week, we're going to look at how we can participate in the pain of others and bring justice to our world. When Jesus, the night he was betrayed and arrested, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said to us, to his disciples and to us, do this in remembrance of me. This represents what I hold in my hand, represents the body broken for me. And this cup represents his juice. Let's do this as an act of remembrance. He has forgiven us. He has forgiven us. Father, we thank you for the work on the cross, the darkness that you took, and we can find friendship in you, and even in our darkest when we feel forsaken. God, rise up and show us Lord, let us experience the endurance and develop that that we need to experience you, to know that you are working. In Christ, this is our prayer. Amen.